Let's pray. God, thank you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity um, to be used by you uh, in so many situations in our life, and um, whether it's going to be through uh, EF uh, as we leave today or this summer um, or, or when we leave here today, God, we want to be on mission for you. Uh, we want to love you, and we want to love people. And so uh, as I speak this morning, I just pray that your words would come out, God, uh, that we could leave here changed and that we could leave here more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, the pitfall. I'm going to talk about uh, the pitfall of compassion and what that means. Because uh, I think there's definitely a pitfall in compassion, and we're going to see that uh, played out. Uh, if you guys uh, want to turn in your Bibles to Mark 6, uh, verses 30 through 34, we're going to take a look at that real quick. And you guys can find, actually, you can find a story in, uh, in all four uh, of the Gospels. And real quick, before, before we read, or actually, I'm going to read, and it says this. It says, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Uh, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. And then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because... There were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shoreline and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw this huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And so I just want to get an idea of where we are um, geographically when we're talking about this story. So, Thomas, if you want to go ahead and put up that first slide for me. Um, we're going to talk about, this is, this is a modern-day picture of where we are. Uh, the red dot uh, or the red teardrop with a black dot in the middle of it is, is the Sea of Galilee. So you guys can see, get an ID, idea geographically where we are. And then if we want to go to the next slide, we can see a more uh, up-close picture of that. That's the Sea of Galilee. And so they're leaving uh, Capernaum, which is right up there in the uh, north, you know, western part. And uh, they're headed to where this happens is Bethsaida, right over here to the upper north, okay, northeast or right side of the picture. I thought this was cool. Uh, has nothing to do with this geographically, but to give you guys, actually it has something very much to do with this geographically. I don't know why I said that. Um, it has, to give us a picture, what does the Sea of Galilee look like? A lot of stuff went on around the Sea of Galilee, okay? And so let's show them what it looks like. I thought this was really cool. That's the Polk Parkway. That's I-4 and the Polk Parkway. Uh, we can see Lakeland Vineyard down there at the bottom. Hopefully you guys can see that. Um, Basically, if we took that picture and we rotated it counterclockwise upwards, it's the Sea of Galilee, all right? So basically, you have Lakeland, and I thought, that the, and I'm not one of those people like, hey, the Sea of Galilee is the same size, but it's kind of cool, right? All right, so when we think about that, the center of that um, 
that is about the same exact area of the Sea of Galilee, okay? So, and then we'll go back. Okay, and so we'll leave that up there, I guess. You want to go back that one? Yeah, there we go. All right. So a lot of stuff went on uh, here. We're located uh, about, uh, what are we, 80, I think it's 87 miles away from Jerusalem, Jerusalem being to the south, and then about from Capernaum to Bethsaida is about uh, eight miles or less. So that's where we are. Everybody with me? All right, cool. All right, so they're leaving. And so we have to understand from the passage that we just read, um, a lot goes on before that, all right? Uh, Jesus is rejected in Nazareth. Uh, He sends out the 12 disciples in pairs. And then he gets this news of the death of John the Baptist, all right? And then all at the same time that he's, he's getting this news. And, and we think, I don't know if you guys are like me, when you, when you read the Bible, you think instantaneous, okay, that this news just came and like, you know, by a text message, uh, you know, you're not going to believe this, man, John, John's dead, all right? So this news had to travel a long time. It so happened to intersect the same time that the disciples that he sent out are coming back from their ministry tour and so he's dealing with a lot of emotion here, okay, because the disciples are super excited about what happened. They're like, you're not going to believe this. They're telling Jesus he's not going to believe this. But evil spirits listened to us, and they were cast out, and people were healed in your name. And that happened. And then at the same time, though, he's dealing with the real emotion of losing John the Baptist, all right? And so if we think for a second that, that Jesus was, was not an emotional being, then we're fooling ourselves. Because I, I feel like sometimes we put Jesus on this scale of he didn't really have emotion. Except for when he was outside of Lazarus' tomb and he wept. Right? Or when he says, Father, please can you take this cup from me? But not my will. Your will be done. And so Jesus has deep emotional connection to the people around him. He is a relational God. Therefore, he cares about us. And so he's dealing with all of this stuff. He's under physical and mental exhaustion um, from the amount of people that are coming and going. Uh, The ministry that he's doing uh, is, is, is exhausting. He's dealing with people that have seen him do miracles, and they're still like, you know, what the heck? You can, you can do that too? And so I think their faith, if we look at faith as it grows, the disciples, and my dad and I were talking about this yesterday, the disciples, I believe, put Jesus in a box, just like we put God in a box. And so we say, well, Jesus can do, he did water into wine. Okay, so that's my parameter, and that's the box that I put Jesus in. Okay, now Jesus healed somebody, so Jesus can now do water and wine, and he can heal somebody. Okay, so now I have this box of what Jesus can do. And then he's going to, uh, then they're going to go out and they're going to heal people, all right, through the power of Jesus Christ. And, and, and demons are going to be cast out in his name. So that my box is getting bigger, but it, it's still a box. Okay, and, and so, and, and this, he's going to feed the 5,000. After this, but at, right after this, he's going to walk on water, and they're going to be like, "What the heck? Who is that?" Okay, 
but their box is getting bigger. And, and so we have to ask, at what point does our faith become boundless? At what point do we recognize that we are serving an all-powerful God that can do anything, anything? And so he's, he's tired. Uh, we see that people are coming and going. He has the unbearable news of John being executed. He has the great joy of his own disciples. But the disciples of John are telling him, you know, this bad news. And so then he's going to refer to as to not confuse the disciples of John and his disciples. He then makes them, they are called apostles, all right? They were sent out. They're back. And so he just wants to go away, all right? Does anybody ever want to do that? Jen always wants to do that. I always feel like I'm like, are things that bad? Um, She's like, I just need a beach day. And I'm like, you too? Yeah. Jen doesn't want, she doesn't like, she does like beach days to Jen are like, please no one ever talk to me. All right. So, which is fine. I get it. I mean, being, if I had to be around myself, believe me. Okay. Yeah, like once a week. See ya. All right. So, okay. So, he just wants to get away. He wants to chill out. He wants to process the, all of this. Okay, fully God, fully human here, all right? So he, you got to process this stuff, man. You don't just, you know, someone important in your life dies, you're just like, next spot, where are we going? All right, that's called denial. You're not dealing with it. You're not mourning, all right? And so he's dealing with all this stuff. But in spite of all this, what does he do? He gets off the boat. He sees this crowd, this crowd of people. Now, I'm picturing this crowd of people. We're picturing, like, they ran ahead. Well, thank God they had, you know, ASIC gel Nimbus shoes, $120 running shoes with running shorts and, and dry fit T-shirts. Uh, so they came in antiperspirant, no doubt. Um, and so they, they ran ahead. Let's just say it was a minimum of four miles, probably in between four and eight miles. They ran ahead because they saw him and recognized that he was going by boat. All right? And so not really, right? So they're wrapped up in, like, this hot clothes. And I get it. They're used to it, okay? I understand that. All right? Nonetheless, we're talking about some serious effort here. Because it wasn't just me running. It was maybe me and my wife and my six kids and my wife might have our baby strapped to her back or something like this. Hopefully, they weren't running. <laughs> Baby's like, okay. Um, they made them tougher back then, all right? And so uh, now we have, like, flotation device, all right? Zero gravity chambers for our babies. Um, so, dude, so they're running. They're going. They're going to go ahead, and they're going to meet him there. And he, now, none of this changed, okay? Understand the boat ride, we're going across the Sea of Galilee here. We're not going across the ocean, all right? Uh, They compared the Sea of Galilee uh, not in volume of water, but in behavior to Lake Erie. That is a very, uh, I guess, out of the uh, Great Lakes. Is there five of them? Good, because I was going to say the five of them, but then I felt like a fool if I was wrong. So out of the five of them, I guess it's the most irritable, okay? Easily wind blows across it and it gets really wicked, all right? And so this is what's happening here with the Sea of Galilee. So when they talk about the storm, all right, this is basically like a huge 
lake, okay? And so, but it gets violent. And so, he's crossing this. It's not like in that time he's on a carnival cruise, okay, sitting on the sun deck, just like, oh, yeah, okay? He is uh, there working, all right, to get across there. And so, there he is. He becomes a compassionate minister, okay? And so, I want Clayton to come up right now. We've got a little something planned for you guys. As a new youth pastor, Clayton gets to volunteer for these kind of stupid things now. All right. Our voluntold. Can you open? I have a, um, I don't even know how to say that. Astertech, Adertech, dog collar. Can't miss this. Okay, so we have this, and Clayton has volunteered to do this. Idiot. Um, no, so. Is it on? All right, Pavlov. All right, here we go. So, someone want to ring a bell? Okay, so here we go. Uh, it's on zero right now. Do you hear, feel any effect? No, I was just <laughs> Wait until seven. All right. All right, we're going to click it to one. Okay. Okay, you ready? Are you ready? Anything? Again? Oh. Again? Just a little. Okay, two. Why don't we just go to three? There's seven levels. We'll go to three. I think we need to get things interesting quick. Okay, you ready? You want to do it again? One more time. Let's do it. You feeling that? Okay. We'll just go odds then. We'll go straight to five. Dial down. We're dialing up today. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Do you not? Seriously, do you want to do this? Five. Okay, here we go. You ready? Okay. One more time. You ready? Okay, we'll go to six because I don't want to go straight to seven. Huh? Isaiah's like, dude, go to seven. Isaiah, you're sick. Should, should we stop or go? Who says stop? Okay, good. All right. Yeah. Okay. This is, okay. Switch roles. No way, dude. All right. I got out of the youth pastor for a reason. All right, here we go. No, just check. All right. Thank you, Clayton. All right. Now, here at Lakeland Vineyard, we don't believe in animal cruelty or cruelty. There was no batteries in it. He was acting, okay? The point of it is this, okay, is this. The whole thing was a joke, guys. There's no, the receiver has no, I was clicking. It was, he had his on, but there was no thing happening. Does everybody understand that? 
People are like, I'm leaving. <laughs> Other people are like, oh, they do things eh, how I do it. All right. Okay. All right. So, so here, here's the example is this. Uh, compassion. What is compassion then? Okay. So compassion is this. It's sympathetic pity or concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of the other. The root word, Josh, help me out here. Compati, how would you say that? C-O-M-P-T-I in Latin. Compati. I knew I was going to mess that up. Okay. Suffer with. Suffer with. Okay. And so then we see Jesus as a compassionate minister. So the minister means to provide something that is necessary. All right. And, and actually the root of of minister is servant. It means servant. And so what does it mean to be a minister? See, the bridge that was built here this morning, the reason I did that stupid thing is this. We could have sat here and done nothing as Clayton's getting up here, getting shocked. All right? And I wonder how many times we would have just sat there and said, if I would have not asked and gone six and seven, if I wouldn't have asked, how many people want to keep going? You know? There's always the one guy. And it's always a guy. It's always a guy. It's not me. Let's see it, okay? And so, but we just, we would have kept going. No one, no one stood up and said, what are you doing? This is stupid. Stop doing this. This is ridiculous. And maybe your mind was thinking, well, I, didn't want, I don't want to disturb this, what, what's going on. I wouldn't want to be rude. Clayton's getting the crap shocked out of him, possibly quite literally. And we are sitting aside doing nothing. And so to have the pitfall of compassion is when we don't build the, build the bridge of action. See, because we can be compassionate but it means that we just have pity on people. We can minister, provide a need, but we can do it without compassion. See, the bridge that has to be built in between compassion and ministry is action in order to do something. So it means this, that someone without being asked should have stood up and said, stop what you're doing. Who did? You did. Good. You're compassionate and a minister. It's awesome. Now, ministers, here's, we get this idea that minister, okay, is, is me, the, the clergy, okay, and that stuff is just going to happen that the paid staff at Lakeland Vineyard should make everything happen, all right? This idea will lead uh, to the death of Lakeland Vineyard. It will lead to the death of any church that believes that. Uh, the church will continue on. The bride of Christ will continue on. This body will dissolve, 
this portion of the body will dissolve, if that's the idea. So, so that begs the question, then who is a minister of Jesus Christ? See, because if it, if it simply means minister is to provide something necessary or helpful in providing the message of Jesus Christ, whether it be to your neighbor or to a Chinese kid that's coming to your house, is to minister. See, in 1 Peter 2, 9, and uh, 10, it says this. This is the message. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others night and day, uh, the night and day difference he made in you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. In the NLT, the New Living Translation, it says this, But you are not like that. You, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. You see, it doesn't stop in this church offices. But it starts in the heart of every individual that's a, 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 a member of this body. When, you, when you, the action is there, that's when it starts. See, because we can sit back, like I said, uh, Albert Einstein said this. He said this, the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who watch them without doing anything. Albert Einstein said that. Pretty smart dude. So, Martin Luther King Jr. said this, Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. See, inaction often has just as much or a greater effect on the world around us. When we become complacent and we say, you know what? Nothing we can do about it. According to this, according to, you know, Martin Luther King, he says this, our lives begin, begin to end. It's crazy. And so the pitfall, pitfall of compassion is simple. It's compassion without action. Action is the bridge builder. It's not just feeling sorry for somebody, but it's doing something about it. It's not feeling bad for somebody in a situation, but it's the action that follows. And so we've heard before, faith without deeds is dead. But it's loving God and loving people, but never doing anything about it. So the call to action, it's real simple. Just like we saw Clayton up here getting, getting shocked. It should be something that, that we, as a people, we stand for. And it's one of the pillars of Vineyard, if you didn't know that, is compassionate ministry. Is this, that, that we have to stand in the gap for people that don't know Jesus Christ. That we have to look at it and say, you know what, it is our mission to absolutely love people. And I, love people means this, loving God, loving people. Those two go together. Why? It's real simple. 
If you love God, you're going to love people. I didn't say it was going to be easy, but you're going to love people. You're going to have compassion on them. You're not going to just feel sorry for them that they don't know Jesus Christ, but you're then going to act on that. And we're going to see people come into the kingdom because compassionate ministry is a must. It is not an option. It is a must of the kingdom. And so if we're going to have this vision statement, then each of us has to become compassionate ministers of the message of Jesus Christ. Each one of us that calls on the name of Christ as as our Savior, then we have to have an attitude that is a compassionate attitude towards people. That spurs us to action. And I believe this, that, that compassionate, being a true compassionate minister is this. It is going to challenge us spiritually. Because we're going to have to look beyond what we can do and find out what can he do. We've got to take those boxes. Okay, this is what God's done in my life. Okay, so that's the parameter in which he can act. And we've got to take those boxes and we've got to rip them apart. And we've got to say, God, you can do anything. I can do hardly anything. You can do all things. We've got to get an idea of what is God doing Not what am I doing for God. How can I get plugged into a story that is eternal? It will challenge us financially to give. And not what we feel like giving. What he's calling us to give. You know, I think it's so funny. If you talk about church and money, people get mad. But if you go to any business meeting or any other place, you can talk about money and it's fine. That's ridiculous. Clue. It takes money to make stuff happen. Okay? The last time a unicorn came to my work and dropped my paycheck off was never. I have never found at the, I saw a great rainbow the other day, never found the pot of gold. It wasn't there. Okay? Here's the deal. It takes money. All right? What does that mean? We, we have to give. We have to give sometimes and it hurts. We have to give and say, you know what? The mission and vision of Lakeland Vineyard is loving God, loving people. How are we going to do that in a practical way? The other day we went out to um, Walmart, the youth leaders and I, and, and we bought Easter baskets and we bought candy and we bought fake grass, which is very expensive for what you're getting. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm thinking, what is the profit margin in fake grass, and how can we start producing it at Lakeland Vineyard? (laughs) Shredder. You know? Good grief. All right. So, so of course, day after Easter, it's cheap as dirt. You know? So, we buy this year in advance. All right. So what do we do? We, we assemble these. We put an invitation to the Easter service here. We, we drop it off at um, this neighborhood that's right beyond. What's up? Oh, sweet. That's awesome. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, good. So we did that, and, and uh, uh, Steph was texting on the or on our youth leaders group message and she said, yeah. I was like, so how'd it go? And like half of them, half the people weren't there. Is that what you said? You dropped about half or something like that. Who cares, dude? 
Like, I'm under the mindset, like, oh, man, that was unsuccessful. We don't know. We don't know. We didn't know about Jake. Okay? I mean, come on. And so we got to have faith. We gotta, so when we're dropping this stuff off, we're saying, God, you know what? Have your way. You know what? This is candy in a basket with expensive fake grass <laughs> that sunk down more than we anticipated. So it didn't make the baskets look as grand as we thought. At least we could get some support with this fake grass. Doggone it. Okay? And so we dropped, they dropped them off there, man. I don't know what God's going to do. But here's what I know. We went to Walmart. We had to buy that stuff. I mean, if we're going to, you know, nuts and bolts this thing, we've got to say, okay, it takes some dough to do that. You know, we're gonna, we might throw some parties out here for the, for the surrounding neighborhood. It's not going to happen for free. All right? And here, this, I'm just going to say this. I don't want to throw a lame party. Okay? Church has been doing that for too long. We need to throw some baller parties. I mean, I ain't talking about, you know, we ain't like throwing money around and stuff. <laughs> All I do is win. Okay, no, not that, okay? But think about it, man. And I know Rob Bell's super controversial, but he said we need to stop. We need to start throwing some awesome block parties. Man, we, we know how to do this thing. And finally, Christian music's coming around. Golly. Christian rap back in the day. Jesus, I think, was getting emotional. I'm not kidding. I think he's like, stop. Okay, just please, for my sake, stop. All right. And so, man, they're coming around, though. You know, you have great artists that are out there, and they're making an impact in the world. And it's, it's amazing to see. And so, so it's going to challenge us financially to give. All right. Uh, I, I believe it's going to challenge us with our use of time. See, time is money. That's what they say, right? Time is the most valuable asset we have because we really don't know how much time we have. We may have 100 years and we may have 40. Uh, there's people that, that are, are, we think, far too young to have passed away, right? So time is, is unexplainably, unexplainably valuable. And so what we like to do is we like to hoard that time, and we like to make it our own. We've, we've got to do, we've got to set apart, right? And I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't, which is, boundaries are cool. I get that, right? But when everything that comes up is, no, I'm busy, I wonder if we just create busyness to be busy, have you ever answered, like myself, a question like, I'm just super busy, but then you stopped like five minutes after you made that comment and you realized, no, I'm not. Like, I literally just said that because it was, I should have said it. It's what we do. If we're not busy in America, what are we doing? What, what do you mean? You sat down on your couch and rest? Okay. I think, has anybody done that or am I the only one where you're like, no, I'm just super busy? And it's like, the st you're like, no, you're not. 
I'm super busy. What are you doing? I'm going to go hang in my hammock for the next three hours. You're super busy, right? So it's going to cost us time and effort. And so, you know, they got up. The people cooked for uh, the missionary aviators. They served. They were up there at, I don't know, what time did you guys meet up here? Six, six, six thirty, dark thirty. Okay. You know, for what? You know, what's it going to take for, for us? You know, we do the community outreaches. When we tutor kids here, what is it going to take for us? It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. And some of those kids, dude, they're going to look you in the eye, and they're not going to give two tears that you are doing this. A matter of fact, they might get lippy with you. Well, obviously, the Lord didn't intend this to happen. Well, maybe he's changing your heart. And maybe saying, okay, you know, compassion has to be overflowing. It can't just be everything's perfect. All right? So, challenge us with our time. How are we spending it? How are we spending our lives? Francis Chan, I use this example again, but he had this huge long rope, and at the end of this rope, he had a piece of white tape on it, and he said, This is your life. That's eternity. What are you going to do with it? I thought that was an awesome example. It's going to challenge us communally. We've got to be in relationship with other people. You know, God, if it was just me and you on the mountaintop all the time, you know I'd be good. (laughs) Said the liar. Okay? But it's these people. These people are driving me insane. They're complaining, their disbelief, their lack of initiative. Their armpits. God, please. Okay? Think about it. How many, I mean, how fickle can we get? The person stinks, man. I can't be around. Shut up. I mean, seriously. All right? This person's attitude. Now, what about yours? You know? Look in the mirror. Are you perfect? I mean, I, I have somebody that helps me realize I'm not perfect. <laughs> My dad. Um, so <laughs> it's good, man. So we, we've got to be in these relationships. Do relationships, are they awful sometimes? Yes. Is marriage challenging? Is friendship challenging? Marriage is super challenging, right? Anybody in here that's married or been married, it's hard. It's hard, man. Friendships are hard. You know? I mean, how many times are you going to say that again? How many times are you going to correct my English? I don't care if I'm saying it wrong, Okay? You, think, you know, and you have just friends that you can think about where you're like, but you love them to death, right? But sometimes you want to choke them out. Not like out dead, just out like pass out. <laughs> just sleeper hold them. There we go. Okay? Then you're going to be the first one to be like, dude, are you all right? Are you all right? I didn't mean it. Yeah, you did. All right? Okay. And so what do we want to do? These are the imperative questions that we've got to ask then, then we're going to wrap things up here, is this. Do we want to be compassionate without ministry? 
Do we want ministry without compassion? Or the third option, do we want to follow Christ and do both? And that's the question that we've had. We, those are the imperative questions that we have to ask ourselves. And these are questions that aren't answered in front of people. They're lived out in front of people. These aren't questions that we talk about, you know, up here and say, like, I'm going to follow because the actions are going to speak louder than words. I, t- I asked my son, Caden, I said, son, do you always want to be obnoxious and disobedient? No. Yes, you do. He's like, I just, he's like, I just said no. I said, your actions are telling me that you want to be obnoxious and disobedient. So I don't care what your lips say. What are you doing? And he's like, still don't get it. (laughs) And I'm like, Jen, come deal with your son. I'm going to choke him out. All right. Um, so, no, I'm just kidding. So, the deal is this. Uh, man, seriously, though. So, we have to ask ourselves that question because I, I really think this. that if we, if we think that we're going to be compassionate without ministry and we think that we're going to minister without compassion, we are not following Christ. Now, I know that's challenging because it's like, man, what do you mean I'm not following Christ? I believe that if you're not a compassionate minister of Jesus Christ, you are not following him. Okay, wherever God is, wherever Jesus is, is going to be transformational. And, and so I want us to continue to ask, you know, as we, as we look at our, as our vision, mission and vision statement, you know, loving God, loving people, are we doing that? The, the, the thing that we always want on the front burner is this. If Lakeland Vineyard was not here, how would this community be affected? And if the answer is, it wouldn't be then why are we here? That's a, that's a real question. If we're not compassionately ministering to the community around us, why are we here? All right? And so what I want to ask uh, you guys today is this. If, that, if, if that's you, you know, and, and, and you're like um, a lot of us, me, if that's you, where you're at a place where you say, you know what, I really have lost compassion. I've become, maybe I've become a cynic. You know, maybe I've made this statement, America's going to hell in a handbasket or something like that. You know, we've made some silly statements. Maybe we, we're like, you know, there's no hope. We, we might say something like this, you know, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. I say, you know what, whoever gets elected gets elected. What are we going to do? We're going to continue to rely on a political system to bring justice that God can, only God can do. I mean, c- come on. You know, I don't like our state senator. Uh, who cares? What are you doing? What are you doing for the kingdom? You know, be challenged to the core to say, God, what are you doing Stuff looks crazy, but I know you're in control, and I'm not going to buy into this thing that it's out of control because you've got this. 
And in the midst of all this craziness, I know that I am going to build a bridge between compassion and ministry, and I am going to build that bridge of action because I am going to do, because I am not going to let the evil one conquer the people around me, but I'm going to stand up, and I know that I know that I'm going to make a difference because I'm not going to sit around on my butt doing nothing, but I'm going to move. Stop waiting for God to move. He is moving in a serious way. And so we have to make a decision. Are we going to get into the vein of his movement? Or are we going to stay on the sidelines and wait for the coach to put us in when he's already given us permission to go into the game? And so if that's you, if you're at a place where you're like, you know what, I have lost compassion. I have, or I have compassion, but I don't have ministry. I want both of them. I want to start building the bridge. If that's you today, I just want you to stand up if that's you. If that's your heart where you're saying, God, I just want more of you. I want to see the community changed. I want to see Lakeland Vineyard be, rise up. And because of Jesus Christ, not because of us, but because of Jesus Christ and what you want to do, God, we want to stand up and we want to say yes. If that's you today, I want you to stand up. And so we're going to just pray you know what? Let's do something old school. I love it. Why don't we join hands across the aisle here? See, these people next to you, man, this is the challenge relationally, right? These people next to you, you may not know these people. Get to know them. Okay? These are your people that when we're in battle, and we're in battle, These are the people that we should be able to rely on and lean on for us to find love, to find compassion, to find that bridge. When we don't feel like doing anything, that we're still going to get outside of the boat and we're still going to minister because, God, you're calling us to do it. You see, God is a God of sovereignty. He has it under control. And so as we look to the left and to the right and we see, you know what, do that. I know it's so awkward. Do it because the other person's looking the other way and you're like, oh, my gosh. Just look right and left. I know. So it's happened to me before. I go to say something to somebody. I'm talking to the back of their head. You know, and I'm not going to have you say a word because here's what I know. Your action is going to speak louder. Here's what I know, too, and I'm rambling, but I love it. Here it is. I look across this room and I see people that are passionate for Jesus Christ. I see people that have compassion in their hearts for other people. I see people that are ministers. Each one of you is a minister of Jesus Christ. If you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No one in this room is excluded. I don't care if you stood up or you didn't stand up. No one in this room is excluded. You are a minister. You are a powerful minister of Jesus Christ. Jesus has made you new. He has called you a new nation. He has, once you had no identity, now you have an identity. And I can't help but see the Sea of Galilee when I look at the parkway. And I see what's right in the middle of the parkway is Lakeland, Florida, a place that we call home, a place that if we've fallen out of love, we need to fall in love with again. 
We need to fall in love with the fact that people here need Jesus Christ. There's hundreds of thousands of people that don't know Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're another church, but guess what? There's a lot of people that don't call on the name of Jesus Christ as their Savior. We need to go out to the least, to the lost. We need to be the ministers of Jesus Christ. So we're going to pray today. We're going to pray. God, I thank you for your ministry. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that we can call on, that we can find forgiveness, and that we can stand in your presence because of the blood of Jesus Christ. God, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can stand, God. We can say, you know what? Bring the 150 kids. Bring the four buses, God. Bring them. God, because we're going to be willing and waiting, and we don't just pray over our body. We pray for all of the church bodies that will, that will house these kids, God. We pray for experiences that they would, that's something that would stick. God, we pray as we leave here today, I pray over this group of people that are gathered here today, that we would be empowered ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would not leave here with the spirit of fear, a spirit that we're conquered, but we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Because in him we can do all things. You have written the story. God, we don't want to just sit back and read the story. We want to be part of the story, so we pray that it would happen. That as we hold hands as a sign of unity in this place, as we're one body, as we are a body that represents Jesus Christ, that we would go out and be the hands and feet. God, and I pray that for the kids that aren't in here right now. They would be the hands and feet to the people that are in their schools. That we would be the hands and feet to the people at jobs, at physical therapy. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, God, that we would be on mission for you. Because it is not enough to have compassion. It is not enough to minister. We have to combine those two. And we pray right now a call to action. God, and I pray that we would answer that call to action. God, that we would be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.